Welcome to today's BCOG online podcast episode. These weekly sermons are a part of the growing online ministry of God. Buford Church of God is a growing multi-campus and multicultural Pentecostal church north of Atlanta. We are reaching people around the world to see lives transformed through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Thank you for tuning in with us and enjoy today's episode with Senior Pastor Joey Grizzle. Please remain standing, Exodus chapter 3, starting with verse 1. Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. Then Moses said, I will now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he turned aside to look, God called to him from the middle of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. He responded, Here I am. Then God said, Don't draw near this place. Take your sandals off your feet. For the place where you stand is holy ground. Say amen at the reading of God's word. You may be seated. I don't know where you were on September 11, 20 years ago, but I can remember where I was. I remember when I saw the news. I remember the emotions of my heart. First, some level of disbelief, giving birth to shock, grief, and then anger. We've come a long way in 20 years. I'm just not sure it's progress. When we saw this tragedy, we learned a valuable lesson that I think we lose in American culture. We learn who our heroes are. I really do get tired of watching millionaires run around on a football field complaining about how hard their life is. It is tough on me watching politicians take credit for things that they're not in charge of. It's difficult for me to observe People in Hollywood act as if they deserve some level of leadership in our life when if it weren't for the script that they read, they wouldn't even be able to complete a sentence about anything that matters related to life. I mean, if you can't hold your family together more than three months, then why am I going to listen to you about how to build a country? It's frustrating. There were a few months after 9-11, 20 years ago, that we knew who our heroes were. There's a story of New York when they were trying to go back to work and rebuild the city that all of the businessmen and marketplace workers were there at a crossroad and they were there with their suits and their briefcases and everybody ready to get back to work. And they were going to cross the crosswalk, but traffic stopped and no one could walk across and no cars could enter in. As a police officer opened his hands and ushered in the dump trucks filled with workers. Their burly arms across the bed of that truck as they were making their way with their hard hats in their hands to dig that city out from underneath the rubble destroyed by terrorism. Fire trucks and police officers headed to the crash sites. They said for one brief moment, New York applauded. For heroes were no longer defined by the size of their bank account but rather by the size of the heart. 
It was no longer judged by how many friends they had. It was judged by the calluses on their hands. Back when being a firefighter meant something. I mean, when everybody else was running out of the building, you were running into the building. Back when being a police officer was honored. That while the rest of us were terrified about terrorism in our country, our men and women in uniform being sent all around the world to take the battle to their house. And to make sure that they fought on a foreign battlefield so that our children didn't have to fight any more battles right here. Somewhere along the way, we started throwing rocks at our firefighters and taking shots at our police officers and telling our soldiers that their efforts are not worth it and we don't really care what they do anymore. Well, I bind that spirit in the name of Jesus, and I declare at Buford Church of God, we have an attitude of gratitude. I thank God for every firefighter. I thank God for every police officer. I thank God for every first responder that's willing to stand between me and harm. I thank God for every person with enough courage to put on a uniform and get on a plane or a boat and go into a foreign country and stand between us and the devil that tries to destroy our lives. I thank God for America and for the people that make America great. And what 9-11 reminds me of is who our heroes actually are. Give God praise. Give God praise. Give God praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And as I read this story of Moses about this great encounter between him and God at the burning bush, I have one reoccurring thought in my mind, and I want to share it with you. Thank God for Texas. I don't know how you feel about the heartbeat law, but I love it. I am so glad that somebody in this country finally told the government where to get off at and the babies deserve to be protected in the name of Jesus. When you believe that your right to choose is greater than the child's right to live, your priorities are backwards. The same spirit that gave birth to slavery is the same spirit of abortion. It's the same legal argument. I have rights to privacy and property, and as long as I own it, I can kill it. That's the fuel of slavery, and it's the fuel of the abortion movement in America. It's also the same argument as the mass genocide of the Native Americans. When if you're not really part of the convenience of our culture, it's better just to get rid of you. To get these things out of our lives. And it seems to me that the same demon that supported slavery is the same demon that supported the mass genocide of the Native Americans. And it's the same demon that supports the murder of the unborn. But thank God for the underground railroad of the Pentecostal movement. We stood against slavery. We stood against those things in our past. We stood against those sins of our past of genocide of the Native Americans. And now we stand against the abortion movement of America and we declare that we don't give a happy holy rip what they say or what laws get passed in the Buford Church of God. We fight for the life of the unborn. Why do you say that in relation to Moses? Because the ladies who were there to give 
assistants at the birth of Moses were commanded by the king to give a partial birth abortion to the mothers of the Hebrews who were giving birth to boys. Before they cut the umbilical cord, they were to kill every boy that was born. But the Bible says that two women decided they were not going to obey the king. The Bible says because they were righteous, they refused to perform a partial birth abortion. Moses was saved because two Texans showed up in Exodus chapter 1. His life was preserved because somebody had enough courage to say, I don't care what the culture says. This baby doesn't belong to you. That child belongs to God. In my mother's womb, God knew me. And he formed me and fashioned me for his purpose. Moses on the backside of the desert, having a wonderful life, 80 years old. Now, he ended up having a long life, lived till he was about 120 years old. But 80 years old, on the backside of the desert, married, children, working in the family business. He has a plan for his life. But somebody lit some shrubs on fire. And interrupted his life. Somebody forgot to turn the lights off on the power of God. Somebody decided that the church wasn't going to be seeker sensitive. Somebody decided that if they're going to really cause change in somebody's life, then there has to be a manifestation of God's holy power so that when children come into the place of worship, they can look at what God is doing and be interrupted by the manifestation of God's power. You see, there's a lot of Christians happy in Midian. There's a lot of Christians that have become comfortable with their little salvation union card. I'm not going to hell, and that's about all I care about. The difficulty is, you're at Buford Church of God. We're not worried about hell in the literal sense after our salvation. What we want is the fullness of God's power in our life. I'm going to teach you something that may be a little controversial. I told myself I wasn't going to do this because I'm live right now and people are going to look at what I'm about to say and they're going to judge me for what's about to come out of my mouth. But I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I think. Not everybody gets the same reward in heaven. There's a difference when you get there. And I'm going to tell you what the reward is. If you'll read your Bibles and study the millennial reign, the reward of God is not glitter that you can wear in a crown. We throw all of that at his feet. The reward in heaven is the proximity to the throne. In other words, your eternal habitation, the reward that you receive in heaven is measured in distance from ground zero of his power and authority. You see, the Bible says there's a city whose builder and maker is God. 
and that we'll need no light in the city, for the Lord himself will be the light. Streets that are paved with gold, all manner of fruit, bearing fruit in every season of the year, water that flows from his throne. But all around the throne, there's angels that cry, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. David said it best in prophetic hope. He said, This one thing I desire and I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord forever. I don't want to be outside the city. I don't want to be in the basement level of the city. I don't want to be the mayor of some distance away from him. I want to be right there where the glory of God is. I I want to be close to the manifestation of God's power. There's a story that Jesus tells, and this is what's controversial. So buckle up. If you're going to Facebook me, get your fingers ready. There's a story that Jesus tells about the master of the banquet. The food is ready. Go invite them. They're not coming. They bought land. They got married. They've got stuff to take care of. They can't be here. Okay. Go out into the highways and the byways. Bring in the halt, the lame, the blind. Bring in the people who don't deserve to be here. I will fill my house with the people who don't deserve to be in my house. They're lost, but I'm going to go find them. They're blind, but I'm going to heal them. They can't even walk, but I'm going to teach them how to dance. You bring them into the house of God and clothe them in authority and majesty and seat them at the table. That's you and I grafted into the body of Christ. But then something unusual happens. He walks around and there's someone there who doesn't have the wedding garment on. He says, how did you get in here? Well, you invited me. Yeah, but you're not dressed right. Get out. Picked him up. You're going to... And tossed him outside. The great debate among theologians, is it possible that the tears that he dries in our eyes, the Bible says he will dry every tear. Is that the fruit of people who actually are in heaven but devastated over what they didn't do with their life. People who could have been more for God, but in the words of Paul, made it in just as one who passes through the fire. Someone who's there, but not close to the throne. People who can see the city, but perhaps can't necessarily go into the city. I actually believe That not everyone gets to go everywhere that they want to go. I believe that the reward of heaven is how close you exist in that eternal abode in terms of proximity to the glory of God. And I believe that the wedding garments could very well be the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I just believe that if you're down here and you say... I don't mind getting saved, but I don't want to get too close. I want to be in church, but I don't want to get too close to the power of God. I'm afraid that that may be an eternal decision on your part. That when you get to heaven, God's going to say, you chose to be a distance from me. You chose not to enter in. You chose not to have my fullness. You're not rewarded with something here that you didn't seek while you were there. 
If you want proximity to God, you better chase him while you are here. In the power of God, I believe that God has gifted us with a divine presence of the Holy Spirit. And the difficulty I have with the American church is far too often you're too glad to get your little grave plot behind the church. You're too glad to get your name on the membership roll. You're too glad to have somebody tell you your name's written down in the Lamb's book of life. But that's not all that we want at the Buford Church of God. Yes, I'm glad I'm saved. Yes, I'm glad that I joined the church. But deep down in my heart, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. I'm on the backside of a desert looking for a tree that's on fire because I still want the manifestation of God's power in my life. I want everything God has for me. I don't want to get to heaven and realize I missed out on half of what I could be for God. No, sir. I don't want to be swimming in mud puddles when I can walk on water. I don't want to build sand castles when I could be moving mountains. I don't want to be praying for my little prosperity when I could lay hands on the sick and see them recover. I'd rather have the manifest power of God. Too many churches build their whole congregation. You know what my children need to do is they need to learn to read the Bible more. My children need little programs. My children, need, they need the little things they can plug in and little badges and that kind of thing. And yes, we do that here. We love it. We love reading the Bible. We love our children quoting the Bible. We love to have these little programs. But let me tell you something. What we're really trying to do is get all of these little babies out on the backside of the desert of God's manifest power and say, look, it's on fire. Chase the fire in the name of Jesus. Let the glory of God guide your life. I've had pastors tell me, no, that's not how I'm going to conduct my church, and they ended up losing their whole family. Their children are backslid, raised, doing all of those cute little programs. But children need more than a program. They need an encounter with the divine. See, this morning in, in my service, I laid hands on my son who came down to the altar for the glory of God in his life. And I asked God to fill him and to baptize him. I asked God to encounter my children. I want God to do something extraordinary in them. Thanks be unto God, you can't run from it. When God wants to display his glory, he'll find you. Anybody ever found God in a weird place? <laughs> I mean, you're on the wrong side of the mountain in the backside of nowhere, down some dirt road, a dead-end street, one way. You don't get out much. So you're there, and there's God. See, some of you, you encounter God, and, and, and you come to church, and you can't even respond to God when he's everywhere, all around you. What I'm looking for are the people, you, you can't help yourself. You could be at Walmart. Anybody ever embarrass themselves at Walmart because the Holy Spirit moves on you? I need somebody guilty as charged. Just, just guilty. I mean, I'm sitting there trying to buy a card, thinking about stuff. The Holy Ghost hits me. So I'm sitting there, tears running down my cheeks. I'm preaching something in them cars, and I look around. People look at me like I'm from another world. <laughs> Anybody ever pull up to a red light 
and have to compose yourself because of the children whose faces are pressed against the window staring at you at the red light and you're just trying to get control of yourself because you've been beaten on the steering wheel and the power of God come down in that car and the Holy Ghost. Come on, Mama. How many of you got up in the middle of the night speaking in tongues because of what your babies are going through? You can act like whatever you want to act like. You're at the Buford Church of God because deep down in our heart we encountered God on the wrong street on the wrong day. We were on our highway to hell, but thanks be unto God. God found me on the back of a Harley or he went to the bar and drug me out or he found me in that broken relationship. He took the needles out of our arms. He took the liquor out of our cabinet. He healed my body. He touched my mind. He saved me when it was just in time. Somebody talked to me about a bush that was on fire in the desert. A manifestation of God's power. Hallelujah. And I see a lot of visitors with us today, and I just want you to know something. I don't want to sneak up on you, but we're still burning stuff around here. (laughs) There's still a manifestation of God's power in here. But the real miracle was not just that the bush was on fire. The real miracle was the bush was on fire, but it was not consumed. You see, there's a lot of people that shout, but they're consumed by the moment. And exhausted by the occasion. There's a lot of people that stumble around like they're drunk. There's a lot of people that get super crazy when they're intoxicated. The difference in them and us is not that we don't have moments where we're intoxicated by his power. It's just we can still drive home. It's not that we quit dancing. We just change partners. See, when our dance is over... We know when to go home. You see, we're on fire, just like you're chasing. Every drug you can do, I got it right here in this altar. I got something better than cocaine. I got something better than heroin. Listen to me, Jack Daniels in this church done met John 3.16. In this house of God... Uh, there's 200 proof sitting right here in the altar. We we don't have to run it through a radiator. We don't have to go to a self-help program to deal with the affections that come into our heart. We don't wake up in the wrong bed on the wrong side of the city. We don't lose our families. We don't lose our minds. We're on fire with everything you're chasing. But the difference in us and you is that deep down in our hearts, our lives are not destroyed. We're not consumed. God still has a plan for our lives, and he gives us sanity. He gives us peace. He gives us joy unspeakable and full of glory. He gives us a sound mind that, that, that doesn't allow it to, the fear of this world to plague it. God, God does something in our lives. We may be hard-pressed on every side, but we're not crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, cast down, but not destroyed. We're on fire, but we're not consumed. Just like that that girl who keeps going to the bar. She puts on all of her little stuff and she might look beautiful when everybody's drunk, but nobody wants to put a ring on her finger at 6 o'clock in the morning the next day until she's just the old lady at the bar. She's consumed. She's on fire for a season of sin, but it burns her life up. You see them homeless in Atlanta, consumed with their addictions. Let me tell you something. Ladies, let me tell you. Here's a a beauty secret for you. 
You are never more beautiful, literally, than when your little hands go up and the Spirit of God falls on you. Never. Now, some of you men in here that are single, you better get your eyes on Jesus and stop looking at these girls that are worshiping. Of course, that's how I found my wife. She was over there being beautiful and praising the Lord. And you got to get me one of those, right? Be down there in the altar praising God, looking out the side, make sure Mia sees me. Because <laughs> I'm going to tell you what, fellas, listen to me. There's nothing that looks better to a woman than a man that knows how to pray. You start worshiping God, it does something to them. You take Betty Kane, Sister Betty Kane, an elder in our church. I don't know how old this woman is. She just keeps on going. But I'll say this, she's as beautiful now as she has been for the 10 years that I've been at this church. Why? You look younger in his presence. You're not consumed in his presence. I actually believe when you worship God, wrinkles start disappearing. Anybody want to try it? Some of the wives are elbowing their husbands. Hey, try this out for a minute. Let's see if this got to get our pictures made next week. Praise the Lord. Keep... Sing, honey, sing. <laughs> you start praising God. I, I, how many of you have ever just prayed your way right out of sickness? Hey, let me give you a piece of advice. Sing how I have very few takers on what I just said. Before you grab the bottle, grab the Bible. I'm not telling you that what's in the bottle is sin to you. I'm just telling you we have options. I have been up at night because I feel sick and, and I have a pain in my, my body. My head hurts. My stomach hurts. I, I'm hurting and I'm feeling sick. And I'll just start praying in the Spirit. Now, forgive me if you don't know what that means. For those of you on television, we don't like to scare anybody, but that means speaking in tongues. If it's in the Bible, we still do it. And so I, I, I just start praying in the Spirit, and I'll keep praying, and I'll pray and pray until all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts to push that pain out of my head. He puts that, that power of the Spirit in me. I have literally prayed sickness right out of my body because some sickness is from the devil, and you need the Spirit of God to cast it out in the name of Jesus. Let me tell you something about COVID. COVID is from hell. 
I know there's a lot of people guilty in this process. And believe you me, I hope justice is served one day over the mismanagement of how this thing occurred. But COVID is like a horse saddled by demons. And when that COVID comes into your life, you're going to be attacked physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And if the only thing you do is fight against it physically, you may be damaged emotionally, permanently, living in fear, walking in bondage. But if you'll go ahead and get that mama bear spirit a hold of that prayer closet and begin to cast every spirit out but the Holy Spirit. I believe there's a spiritual solution to what's going on in America and it's the manifestation of God's power. He's still setting the trees on fire in the wilderness and it's time somebody get out to the backside of the mountain and start looking for God. Somebody help me praise God in here. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thanks be unto God, I was on the backside of a desert and saw the glory of God. And I want that power manifest in here. The Bible says that when God saw that Moses turned aside to investigate. In other words, if Moses had kept walking, God would have let him walk. I think one of the greatest sins of modern Christianity is the death of curiosity. You're no longer curious. Oh, but I want to find him. Keep looking around for him. I'll give you an example. I'm going to Kenya tomorrow. And I was talking to one of our other missionaries. And he said, oh, that's ironic. I'm going to a church to preach in Texas for a pastor who's flying to Nairobi on the same day you're going. I said, send me his phone number. I contact the fella. Why? Too many connecting points for me to ignore that it might be God. I'm in restaurants. I watch people bless their food. And if I see the Spirit of God on them, oh, there may be a kingdom connection there. Every time I come to church service, I'm the whole time just, just give me, just, just, just let him breeze through here just a little bit. And my hands go up. My praise goes up. Why? I'm looking for Jesus. I'm not going to get left out of what God wants from me because I'm too proud to investigate. I'm not too busy with the sheep that I can't set them aside for a moment and say, you know what? The sheep can take care of themselves. The business can take care of itself. The family can worry about what it's going to worry about right now. I've got to step over here because there's something interesting going on, and I need to find out what it is. And that's why some of you are sneaking into this church. You aren't raised this way. You have no business coming from where you came from and sitting in this church with all these crazy people. Your mama taught you better than this. But you saw some fire. And you said, you know what? Nobody's really going to know if I go over there just one Sunday. I've heard that there's still a church that lays hands on the sick. 
I've heard that there's still a church that'll cast devils out of your life. I've heard that there's still a church that believes when your praise goes up, his glory comes down. I've heard that there's a church that still believes that God can save you to the uttermost, that you can walk in stone cold drunk and leave with the power of the Spirit in your life. There's a church that still believes in the transforming power of Almighty God, and I'm going to go investigate this church that's on fire but not consumed with the cares of this world. When God saw that he turned aside, slow down. Take your shoes off. I don't want you to hurry. I don't want you having shoes on your feet because that's what's carried you away from my plans. So I want you to get rid of the vehicle that took you away from me. I don't want your shoes on because I don't want anything standing between you and my holiness. I don't need a barrier between your feet and my glory. I don't want you having your shoes on because as Isaiah said it when he was in the spirit, the Bible says that he saw the Lord high and lifted up and the train of his robe filled the whole tabernacle. And God was saying, look, you're standing on my robe. I don't want your shoes on because your shoes have been in dirty places. And when you leave here, you're not going to be like you used to be. You once were lost, but now you're going to be found. I'm going to save you to the uttermost. I'm going to sanctify you. I'm going to purify your life. I'm going to take the taste out of your mouth. You're not even going to desire to go back to what I brought you out of. I'm going to wash you and make you. Take your shoes off and draw near unto me. Take your shoes off and run to the altar of God. Take your shoes off and stay a little while and tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Because if you wait in my presence long enough, suddenly there will be a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind and cloven tongues of fire will sit down on each of you and you'll no longer look at a bush that's on fire. I'll set your soul on fire so that it'll be like fire. Shut up in your bones. Draw near, draw near, draw near. When you go back, you tell them, let my people Go. The reason we're going to Kenya is because they're in revival. These children that we rescued, you and I, together, I can show you the video. I remember the night that we sent the money and Coleman went and got them. These babies had never encountered the gospel. We have filled up orphanages with children that we pulled out of hostile situations. There's one home of mamas that we've been rescuing. These little teenage girls have been sold off into arranged marriages and impregnated by men that didn't love them. And now they are trying to live in Kenya raising babies as children. These little teenage girls, they put them all in one home. Now we're raising the babies and this little baby that gave birth to them. Right now, 
As we speak, Coleman is trying to hang on to the water flow. He told me, he says, I need you to come. I don't normally invite churches, but I need that your, your church to get there. I need you to be there because our children need what your church has. And now they're getting them ready. He sent me a text this morning. He says, I don't know what's happened. All you have to do is read the word. And the power of God is falling on each home. They're being baptized with the Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God is washing over all of these orphans. I heard that there's a tree on fire in Kenya. And I'm going down to investigate. I've heard that God's moving in China. And we're sending in missionaries. I've heard that God is moving in Eastern Europe. And God is going to use our church to reach around the world. I've heard God is moving on the beaches of California with people who say we're still going to have church God is pouring out his spirit on all flesh and we will investigate what God is doing and I say to the cultures of this world let my people go says the Lord for where the spirit of the Lord is there's liberty there is now therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ. I demand obedience from every demon that has controlled the people of God. And I ask God to break the bondage of Egypt on God's people. To break the back of pornography. To break the back of, of addiction. To break the back of racism. To break the back of poverty. To break the back of division. In the name of Jesus, arise, O God, and let your enemies be scattered. I call on God's people to come out of Egypt. Come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord, for we are going to a promised land where milk and honey flows. Pastor, there's a Red Sea that separates us from our promise. Oh, no, sir, because there's a staff in our hands, and the I am that I am said, No weapon formed against you will prosper, and greater is he that is in you than he that is of the world. And if you have enough faith in your heart to say to yonder mountain, Be moved and cast into the sea, it will obey us, and there will be a day that the water is parted, and we walk across on dry ground, and Miriam just starts to dance to the glory of God, and we write our songs and we sing our stories as God takes us to the place he's called us. Us to be and sometimes I feel just like Moses I'm going to show you where the bush was on fire let me let me walk you back to the mountain of God and we get all the way to the mountain of God it was on the back side of of the mountain but now it's the whole mountain's on fire what God started off in the burning bush became a volcano that consumed the whole mountain and I believe God's about to pour out his spirit on all flesh there's coming the winds of revival to this land, the likes of which have not been recorded since Acts chapter 2. I believe that God is about to allow the sower to overtake the reaper. I believe that the lame are going to leap. I believe the blind are going to see. I believe the dead are going to live again. I believe God is about to do something mighty in this place. And is there somebody that can take just five minutes of this good Sunday and say, you know what? I don't have to hurry out of here. I don't have to change the subject. I'm going to take five minutes and I'm going to turn my life toward the gospel of Jesus Christ and I'm going to magnify his holy name. I'm going to praise God until his glory comes down. I'm not going to get out of here and allow this thing to be for somebody else. I came because it's me. It's me. It's me that stands in need of God's touch. God, I take my shoes off right now in the name of Jesus. 
and I don't want anything to stand between me and you. I didn't come for them. I didn't come for her. I didn't come for that song. I didn't come for a word from somebody. I need the power of God in my life. Heavenly Father, speak to me. Let your glory overshadow me. Let your face shine on me, oh God. Arise, Heavenly Father, and let your enemies be scattered. In the mighty name of Jesus. I need to calm down. You guys have done pushed me over the edge. For those of you who are visiting with us today, I'm not normally like this. This is entirely their fault. They've encouraged me, and now I've gotten so excited. I'm going to Kenya tomorrow, and I'm nervous about it, and they pushed me over the edge, and now I've acted crazy. That's the problem. But deep down in my heart, I need to see God. I'm tired of reading about it. I'm tired of hoping for it. I'm tired of everybody else telling me what's going on. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, I want to see it with my own eyes. I want to taste and see that the Lord is gracious. I want to see the power of God. I want the bodies of this church healed. I want your lives changed. I want the devil cast out. I want revival to break out. I want the power of God to heal the land. Come down, oh God, come down. In the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus, in the mighty name of Jesus. I want you to stand with me all over the house and I want you to begin to lift up your highest praise. All over this sanctuary, Heavenly Father, we're going to take a moment. We're going to turn aside and investigate the power of God in our lives. Can anybody ever remember... When he first touched you. And if you haven't experienced that, it'll shake you up. But I remember when heaven reached through the veil, got a hold of me. It's real. It's real. It's real. You can doubt it all you want, but you're in the wrong church to tell us it's not true because the Spirit of God rescued us. I bless your life. I ask God to give you courage. Bind the power of hell that's trying to destroy you. Cast the devil out of your families, your house, your business, your babies, your bodies in the name of Jesus right now. I ask God to give you the fruit of your prayer life. That whatever you pray for, I'm asking God to send it to you. When you cooperate with His will in prayer, I'm asking God to answer your prayers. To touch you and raise you up. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you and give you peace. That you would be blessed in the city and blessed in the field and blessed when you rise and when you lay down at night. Beauty for ashes and the oil of joy for mourning. A garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your back. May the sun shine warm on your face and the rains fall softly on your fields. 
And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. God bless you. I love you. I'll see you next Sunday. We hope you enjoyed Pastor Joey's word today. To find out more about our ministry, visit bcog.me. Our services are live streamed weekly on Sundays at 11 a.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. If you have any questions, you can talk to one of our pastors anytime via bcog.me messenger. See you again in the next podcast episode.